Yo, Nige, did I ever tell you that our promo music reminds me of being inside a spaceship? Nah, you for sure didn't. But I mean, how would you know what being inside a spaceship sounds like? Have you been in one? Uh, yeah, in my dreams. And I watch a lot of sci-fi movies, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, no, you know, it's probably gonna be a regular thing one day anyway. Yeah, I mean, honestly, after I saw Wally, like, that got me so juiced to just gain, like, an extra 200 pounds and Ooh. ride around space in my little motorized <laughs> cart thingy or whatever. <laughs> but I mean, what <laughs> All that aside, what's good, everybody? It's your boy, Nodge Turner. And I'm Merk Nguyen, and we're using our last names because this is the season one finale of Adult-ish by YR Media. Yo! Hey! Season finale! This is the finale! I thought it was, like, only right because I did that for the promo, then I just did it for the finale. <laughs> Callback, young Nodge, comedic genius. Oh. Anyway. Hashtag TBT, Friday, whatever. It's been a pretty wild ride, everybody. We've talked about love, mm-hmm. life, being a young pro. Pap smears, race, geeky stuff, self stuff. And to top off this season, we're going to be talking about future-ish. You know, dabbling a little bit into technology, how to save for retirement, and of course, we couldn't forget robots. Mm-hmm. So first to join us will be Harvard Law's first blind deaf graduate, Haben Gurma. We talk about chocolate cake and her push for accessible technology. Then Merck and I bring back our finance father, Sonari Gilton, who tells us... Oh, Gilton? Oops, Gilton? You don't even know Gilton. our own father's name? Nah. Clinton like Clinton. He's kind of absent lately on that note. Then Merck and I bring back our finance father, Sonari Glinton, who tells us basic need-to-knows about retirement. Hint, hint, save up that money for the glow up. And last but certainly not least, we have Scott Dickers with us. He's the founder of the satirical news site, The Onion, and he brings with him a <clears throat> guest, a.k.a. Mr. Not Elon Musk, who bets humans will suffer in the days of the robo-pocalypse. You know, ultimately, we're going to be their servants. I mean, I won't. I will help create them and maintain them. But, you know, most of you will be the slaves of the machines in the future. Ah, I'm not ready for that. But hey, regardless, it looks like we got to make the present count. <laughs> oh, time to go. Hey, you know, that was my senior quote in high school. Time is the best gift, so make the present count. I even got it printed on T-shirts. Why did you get them printed on shirts? Uh, Because I was the president of Meadowdale High School. Oh, hey, it was a dictatorship and I ruled that joint. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no word. Is it weird that I have no response? Like. No, because Dictator Merck speaks for all. And you lost. So, first up today on our Mama I Made It segment, a part of the show where we talk to a guest who has, you know, made, made it. it. We are in awe of this person who Obama once personally gave the White House Champion of Change Award to. She's also the first deaf-blind graduate of Harvard Law School. She was also on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. She surfs, salsa dances, and travels the world in her spare time. Haben Gurma, thanks for joining us on Adult-ish, girlfriend. Hello, everyone. Mama, I made it. Thanks for having me here. My mom's name is Saba, and I'm happy to say, Mama, I made it. (laughs) Yes, Mama, your girl did make it. (laughs) You sure have. You sure have. So I heard that you got your start fighting for disability rights at one of my personal favorite places in the world, the school cafeteria. 
Yes. So I went to Lewis and Clark College, and the cafeteria is like a lot of cafeterias. They had several food stations, like about six different food stations. And sighted students would walk in, look at a print menu, and then go to their station of choice. I couldn't read the menu. Not because of my blindness. Disability is never the barrier. The problem was the format of the menu. So I went to the cafeteria manager and I explained, I can't read the menu because of the format of the menu. Can you provide the menu in Braille? Mm -hmm. Or post it online or email it to me? Right. And they told me they're very busy. I should stop complaining and be more appreciative. Mm. I don't know about you, but if there's chocolate cake at station four and no one tells me, <laughs> I'm not feeling appreciative. So for the first few months, I just tolerated it. I told myself, why should I complain when lots of kids around the world are struggling for food? Maybe I should just be grateful. And I talked to my friends and they reminded me, it's our choice to accept unfairness or to advocate and do something about it. So what'd you do? I did research. I learned about the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA. Mm -hmm. The ADA prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities. So I went back to the manager and I explained the ADA and the history and they have a legal obligation to make their services accessible. That conversation actually changed everything because they realized I wasn't asking them for a favor. I was asking them to comply with the law. Mm. And after that, they started providing the menu in accessible formats. Life became delicious. <laughs> Chocolate cake for everyone. <laughs> so right now, through the power of podcast magic, it sounds like we're all chatting in the same room. But you're actually in Palo Alto, California. I'm in the Big Apple. Nigel's in Oakland, your hometown, shout out. Obviously, for our show, our listeners aren't able to see the logistics of how we're talking to each other right now, but you have someone by your side interpreting everything that we're saying, right? That's a great question. So I can't hear Merck and Nigel. What we're doing is I have an interpreter here who's typing on the keyboard what Merck and Nigel are seeing, and that's being transmitted to my Braille computer. It's a small device with braille dots that pop up. And I run my fingers over the dots, feel the dots, and that's how I know what Merck and Nigel are saying. It, I once saw a video and it looked really, really cool because it's like, I don't know, like Bach on the piano, just like boom, 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 boom. Da, 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 da. Like you were the master at that and it looked really cool. And it was amazing how fast it was actually happening too. So on to question number two. You traveled the world being that advocate for people with disabilities. You've spoken at White House and TED Talks, and in many of your talks, I admired how you reclaimed the word pioneer. So what's your personal definition of that word, and how does it guide your work? A pioneer is someone who's daring enough to try something new. It's not just about going somewhere new, and that could be a mindset. It could be learning a new skill. We've mentioned salsa dancing. <laughs> salsa dancing I learned because when I was 15 years old and at a camp, I met a blind salsa dancer and she showed me 
physically showed me. She let me touch her feet, her hands, and showed me how she moves for salsa dancing. And then I learned that I can do it too, and I can learn to salsa as well. And I've been dancing ever since. Yes! So what was the hardest thing about learning to salsa? The hardest thing about salsa dancing is finding dance partners. Mm. A lot of people, they look around the room, watch people, make eye contact, and then they somehow get that person to come to them, or they have the courage to go up to that person and ask them to dance. I can't do that because I can't see the dancers. So I have several strategies. When I danced with someone, after the dance, I asked them, can you introduce me to someone? And oftentimes they have another friend at the salsa club that they can introduce me to and that I can dance with. Oh, or that's cool. Or I'll meet up with a friend there and the friend will help me find dance partners. So on your website, it also says that you like to surf. Which is something I'll never do because of sharks, so I'm sorry, but screw that. <laughs> <laughs> but for you, Hobbin, what made you wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm Hobbin Gurma, I'm awesome, I want to surf? The world is dangerous. You can't let sharks stop you from doing something fun. <laughs> I wish I knew how to salsa dance, and I wish I knew how to surf. I can't do either of those things. Same. One day, Nige. You guys can do it. It's a matter <laughs> of trying and taking lessons and pushing yourselves to go out there. I have a mean bachata, but I mean, as far as salsa goes, that's where I get mixed up. How do you get mixed up? In what way? It's just this, because bachata is like a two-step, and I've been two-stepping my whole <laughs> life. But <laughs> salsa is like a little more... I don't, I don't know. It's, it's extra steps in it that confuse me. Yeah, there are more steps in salsa than bachata. I also do bachata. It's super fun. I think some people struggle with dance maybe because they haven't had the right teachers. Maybe I need to learn from you how to surf and how to salsa dance. Yeah, can I sign up for your classes too? <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds really, really fun. Maybe we could go to like Costa Rica. And do a salsa and surf camp. Hey, that, that sounds amazing. Are you paying for the trip to Costa Rica? I'm assuming this podcast is going to pay for it. <laughs> hey, Davey, you heard her. <laughs> so, quick question. Surfing or salsa dancing, if you had to choose one? Salsa dancing, no question about it. <laughs> one, it's definitely more accessible to people. And ultimately... I'm looking for activities that are a form of exercise and social. And it makes you look sexy, right? <laughs> you know, some people watching might feel that way. But when I'm in the moment dancing, that's not what I'm thinking about. <laughs> that's right. Focus in on yourself. So, so next question. Since we're on our Mama I Made It segment, we want to know, who's your mom? I heard you mention her earlier, but who is she to you and how does she influence the woman that you've become? Mm, love that question. My mom is amazing. She's from Eritrea. It's a small country in Northeast Africa. She's not deafblind, so growing up, many of the things I was experiencing were new to her and to me. But what was really powerful growing up is hearing my mom's stories my mom grew up during the war between Eritrea and Ethiopia. And my mom, when she was about 17, 16, 
she took the dangerous journey walking from Eritrea to Sudan. It took about three weeks. And then she was a refugee in Sudan for about 10 months. And a refugee organization helped her come to the United States. Then in America, she had to learn so many things. How to get a job in the U.S., how to improve her English. Those stories are stories of pioneering. Her stories of being a refugee and making it in America inspired me and really helped me. The way that you related those two stories and help and use your mom's example to be your motivation and going through everything that you have in your life is mm -hmm. just beautiful to me. Thank you. So you're our guest of honor on our Futurish episode, where we're exploring like the role of tech in our day-to-day -day lives. And we know that you're out on the front lines pushing for tech accessibility for everyone, which is obviously more than just popping on the internet or hardening something on Instagram. So what kinds of access to tech issues are you really trying to tackle? A lot of apps and websites only work if you can see or if you can hear. There are a lot of accessibility features that exist but developers aren't putting them into their websites and apps. So we're trying to teach developers, build with accessibility. The guidelines already exist. Use them so you can reach more people. And then developers can have that information display visually, auditorily, through touch, through connecting to a digital braille display. So designers, developers, can choose to make their products accessible. And we don't want separate websites or separate apps for people with disabilities. Separate is never equal. Sometimes people think, oh, we'll have the blind website have the same features as the sighted website. And they'll start out with good intentions. But down the line, the disability website won't get updated as often. It'll end up not having the same features and it becomes inferior. That's not fair. So don't do separate services for people with disabilities. Instead, design one service to be accessible to everyone. So for our last question, we'd like to ask all of our guests on Mom, I've Made It, if you could go back in time and speak your mind to your less adult-ish self in a sentence or two, what would it be? Don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. Your experiences matter. Man. Well, thank you, Hobbin. It's been Hobbinin with Hobbin Germa here on Adult Ish. I'm so sorry, Hobbin. You have to deal with her puns. Thank you for having me on here. Adulting fam, make sure you have Hobbin's new book on your radar. It comes out in 2019, but until then, check her out on her social medias at Hobbin Germa. Do you ever walk around and feel your hips pop? Um, sometimes, like when I stay in one place for a long time and then I move, like my joints be like, <coughs> I'm like, oh shoot, like, am I dying? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's the sound of us aging? I'm not really sure about that. Oh my gosh, I think so. And we're getting older nights. You know what? We're going to be over the hill before you know it. Hey, you better chill. Chill, 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 chill. No, we, got we can't chill. We need to start thinking about stuff like retirement oh right now. Oh my gosh. Merck, nobody at our age needs to be thinking about retirement at all. Uh, you need help. <laughs> Luckily, I got someone here for you. 
We're back with our segment, Fine Finance, where Nige and I have someone with financial expertise. And today, we want to know about retirement. Or at least I do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so who we got, though? Let, let the people know. Okay, from NPR West in Culver <laughs> City, this is Snarg Glinton, who used to be the NPR Business Desk correspondent. But word on the street is his true passions are jazz music, cabaret, and mm. show tunes. Is that right, Sonari? That is correct. Um, I am an expert on those things. I'm not an expert on finance, but I know you should not listen to him. well um sonari he's uh covered stories from the 2012 presidential race to pancakes being on fleek so sonari with your expertise what's a nugget of don't forget about this when you retire information that we all should know one of the things that is that's really important to remember, though, about retirement is that because of the miracle of compounded interest, the younger you are when you start saving, the sooner you can get out of the system, right? If you saved $100 a, a week in 40 years, you would have a million dollars. Because of the miracle of compounded interest, it's not the... Five, first five years that you see any growth in the money, it's literally in year 36, 37, 39. So the very first thing you do before you make any money and start burning it, young blood, is to start thinking about <laughs> saving we it. We want it to be lit. Wait, I got a question real quick. So I, I know the term interest and I kind of know what it represents, but for some of our listeners who might not have an idea what interest or compound is, can you That's what I was okay, going to say. That that's, where you, that's where you lost okay. me. You said the miracle of compound interest and I just kind of started looking at my Okay, phone. yeah, there is nothing in your life that I'm going to tell you that is going to be more important than understanding interest and how it compounds. Okay. Right? The first thing is interest is when you put money in the bank, right? Sometimes they say, "Oh, we'll give you like a little bit of money for just for holding it over," right? It's like let's say your car you buy a car that's $20,000, right? And you pay it back. You have to pay back more money than you got initially. That's what's called interest. Okay. And right? how does that have it's to like, how does that apply to retirement? That applies to retirement because if you save early, you get more way more interest. You're mm. getting your money is making money for you. You know, I always use the phrase people you know talk about ballers. Ballers have to work out. Right? right. They gotta mm. like they gotta do stuff. And their money doesn't last. Mm. Right. But you know what? You know who I want to be? I want to be like Warren Buffett. He just goes to sleep and his money goes and does three-point shots for him. Sonari, can I be can I be 100% honest with you? Yeah. That all makes sense to me and it sounds mm-hmm. very smart. But what if what if I just want to flex? Like, I mean, okay, I'm 22. All my friends are like, you know, everybody's graduating college. Everybody's posting on Instagram. What if I just want to show all my friends that I'm better than them and not be thinking about, like, the long play? Stop thinking about balling. What basketball, football player do you know that has left multi-generational oh wealth, <laughs> has endowed a university? There's two of them you know of, Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson. Most of the people who are balling have been fallen. It is the one of the worst <laughs> careers. And especially for people of color, like— Things are going to come up in your life, man. I used to work at NPR, right? And I used right. to joke that everybody at NPR had a had a rich uncle. And in my family, I was the rich uncle, right? <laughs> and when you are a person of color and you have lucky enough maybe to go on to school and get a job, people going to be coming for you. Not in a bad way, but because you just need 
to help out. Right. Like, who cares if you can buy, so what, you're going to buy like a nice, you know, four-cylinder car? Yes. <laughs> like, what? I mean, like, <laughs> and, but the problem is, is that a lot of people are going to be listening to this, don't have a lot of money, and it's really, really hard. And like, <laughs> There's a lot of shame. Like, there's just so much shame in all of this stuff, right? It's like, my mother, how was she going to know about personal finance she grew up you know she she was 13 years old before brown versus board of education was even passed mm-hmm. right here's what's great about this you don't know about this stuff and i'm st- sitting at npr west i could walk out there and i know that there are nationally recognized reporters who don't know this either right and just because somebody looks some way that doesn't mean they got it and remember it's not about things you know it's like that's the thing that i look back at you know, it's 25 years ago. When I look back at stuff, it was that I spent money to go see James Brown mm-hmm. twice. Ooh. You know, that's what, when I was a kid, I was like, look, James Brown is still alive. I literally said that. He ain't going to be alive forever. I better go see him. <laughs> so that's how I spent money. And it's those things that that I really value. It's really the experiences. So just like you can live your life. Like, but just like, like, just think about the future, 10, 15% keeping money aside so that you don't have to go back to your parents. That is the essence of balling. I don't have to ask anybody for shit. That's, Mm. that's being a grown up. That's being a man. That's being a baller. Well, Sonari, thank you for teaching us the true essence of balling and for trying your best to keep us from blowing all of our money on food, flex and trips, Netflix and Who subscriptions. Until next time. You're welcome. There's no shame in it all. If y'all want Sonari to be your fine finance dad, start by following him on Twitter at Sonari. So, Nige, I've been cooking a lot more than I used to, and I gotta say, I'm pretty proud of myself. Oh, get on my level, Merck. I've been cooking since I was literally in diapers, dude. Like, sprinkling seasoning <laughs> on my Gerber's like Salt Bay. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, this wasn't a competition, but I was just gonna tell you about Merck getting to work in the kitchen, because I'm gonna be making bomb food for future epic parties. Well, you better be inviting me to these parties, but what you been cooking? <laughs> well, it's more so mastering one skill at a time. Like the other day, I diced an onion the way fancy chefs do in their sleep. Okay, I heard somebody say onion. Somebody's talking about onions? <laughs> hey, would you look at that? It's Scott Dickers, the founder of The Onion, a.k.a. the world's first humor website turned satirical news organization, hashtag not not fake news, is with us today. That's right. Uh, he's got a book out in store now called Welcome to the Future, Which is Mine by not Elon Musk. And yeah, it's a parody. Well, thank you so much for being with us today to talk about our future-ish. Yeah, you got it. Uh, I'm always happy to tell people what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott, or uh, should we call you Mr. Dickers? You know what? A lot of people do. I don't mind it anymore. The older I get, the the more comfortable I get with that weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Mr. Dickers, I got to ask you about my theory on how the onion got its name, if you don't mind. She's been working very hard on this theory. Yeah, you give me your theory and then I will debunk it spectacularly. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, so... 
onions are supposed to make you cry when you cut them, and the humor of theonion.com is supposed to make you cry from laughter. How on point is that rationale? You know what? That's the the way that I wish the onion got its name because <laughs> imagine the chutzpah of saying, we're going to make something that's so funny, you're going to cry laughing. <laughs> that would be amazing. I wish I was that cocky. Yeah, no, that's bold. But no, uh, the name came from a couple of different places. One, so it was started by a group of college students in Madison, Wisconsin, who didn't have any money and were just real scrappy, but, you know, really ambitious. And, you know, I wanted to do a humor magazine because that's what humor was. It came in magazines, mm. like mm-hmm. Mad or... The oh, Lampoon yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And, but we went to the printer to get a quote for printing a fancy, full-color, glossy magazine every month. It was like $5,000 per issue. Yeah, Sheesh. so we said, okay, what's the cheapest possible paper that we could print on? <laughs> and they said newsprint. And my heart just sank because nobody had ever heard of a humor newspaper before. That was ridiculous. Right. And But that's what we could afford. And The Onion seemed like a good name for a newspaper because it's like you peel back the layers to get at the facts of the story, oh, you know? Oh, that is complex. Mm-hmm. So what's like an editorial or like pitch meeting like at The Onion? It's the same as it always has been. People come in with headline ideas and they are pitched. And so the meeting consists of hundreds of headlines being read it's miserable it's so (laughs) sad and dispiriting and it goes on so long you just want to fall asleep (laughs) and so you're hearing all these headlines none of them are any good you know because 99 percent of anything anybody writes is crap but occasionally a headline will come down the pike and maybe one or two people will chime in and say oh that one was pretty good Mm. and then so after the end of the day you might have a short list of like 20 headlines that got that kind of reaction. And then you talk about those the next day, but you you discuss the short list and start riffing on like what could happen in the story. That's when things get a little more fun and you realize what made us want to write it. And uh, it's such boring in the weed stuff, but hey, you asked. <laughs> so Scott, we've got you here for a segment that we both like to call Goals. This is where me and Merck sit down with someone who teaches us how to reach our hashtag goals in a certain area. And on this episode, we're thinking about the future. So now we want to introduce Scott's alter ego, Mr. Not Elon Musk. Oh, hello, everyone. This is uh, I am not Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> so Merck and I are going to try to do some role playing improv here. I'm going to ask questions as, uh, I don't know, I'm going to be Will Smith from iRobot. And then Merck, like, who are you going to be? Um, I will be a half robot, like Siri, but not. <laughs> all right, okay, sure. I'm in love with you all already. <laughs> Ooh, we will talk later and maybe go on a date. <laughs> yeah, we'll interface, and I have special software uh, that I think you will really love. <laughs> that sounds great. So, our first question for you, not Elon Musk, is, um, I obviously have a penchant for high society snobby taste in material possessions. So help me, not Elon Musk. What are some new exclusive inventions of yours that are must-haves for me in the future? Oh, I've got so many wonderful products that are available. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, they're all uh, only at this time available on Mars. Uh, the flamethrower, it's a fun, you know, wonderful uh, toy uh, for children. Ooh, lit. (laughs) 
Mr. Elon Musk, I have a million homes on the planet Earth, but you know, I'm looking to buy a home with my Bitcoin money on Mars. Um, I heard that's the place to be. Can you tell me a little teaser of what Mars would be like to live? Yes, I think you shoot for the moon, uh, you're a loser. I think if you shoot for Mars, you're a winner. And, you know, I currently own all of the real estate on Mars. I'm only accepting Ethereum. So if you have Bitcoin, you're out of luck. I'm sorry to tell you. And you're going to uh, enjoy excellent weather on Mars, but you will need your uh, body refitted. I'll have to you know, rejigger your uh, poles a little bit so that the Martian lightning does not obliterate you. You you want to be charged. My holes. Ha, ha, ha. What do you mean by my holes? Poles. Poles, not oh, holes, Oh, I thought man. he said he was going to rejigger my holes. you got to get your mind out of, out of the gutter. <laughs> oh, okay. I see. This I is see. inappropriate. <laughs> I'm sorry. Very inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, you sounded like a human so, for a moment. Oh, that was a <coughs> glitch. <coughs> glitch. Um... Ha, ha, laughs. So I recently heard that you are so bored of being so successful that you are planning on stealing the world's greatest monuments, like the Taj Mahal, the Great Wall of China, the Eiffel Tower, and I don't even know what in the world you are going to do with them. But (laughs) aren't you worried that people will now see you as Mr. Evil and not Mr. Not Elon Musk? Oh no! It's not going to do you know to be a bad thing to steal uh, the monuments. It's going to be exciting, and I'm going to uh, tr- move the monuments to a secret, uh, you know, underground hole. Uh, that time I did say hole, <laughs> and it's going to be exciting, and people will love it. You know, it'll be fun. You go to see the the monument, the Taj Mahal, and you will just see you know a giant crater, and uh, it'll it'll be a great mystery. You know, where did, did Elon Musk take all the monuments? And uh, it will be a fun game uh, that everyone can play. And it will make life on on Earth more fun. You said something pretty controversial earlier this year, though, that electric cars should have the right to vote. And you even made a a shocking claim that someday there's going to be an electric car president. Oh, absolutely. I I think, you know, the the electric car, you know, has my vote. Would you trust a, let me ask you this, would you trust a human being to drive down the street and not strike a pedestrian. Uh, I don't... Uh, mm. Would you want that person in the Oval Office? I would not I would not trust that person. I would trust... Negative. Uh, a, an electric car. I would trust the car with the motion sensor. Mm. And if you put the motion sensor in the White House, you will be able to sense a bad bill. <laughs> so you'd veto the bill. You would be able to sense the mood of the country with your emotion sensor and mm. you would know what the right thing to say, the most inspiring uh, patriotic thing to say would be. Mm, it'd be more like an emotion sensor than a motion sensor. That's what we'll call it. The emotion sensor. Mm-hmm. Our next question for you. Whoa, I'm so sorry. My, uh, my humanoid person broke down. <laughs> so I guess I'll have to ask this question. Uh, we've all heard on Fox News and The Onion that the doomsday clock has recently ticked a little closer to the impending robopocalypse. Uh, good thing my machine's down right now. How much faith do you have in Homo sapiens to turn back the clock to the good old times when adult-ish was the number one show on Earth and world peace was a given? Well, this is not good because 
the robe apocalypse is happening and it's I've mm. sided with the machines. I think they're going to win and humans are going to lose. And, <gasps> you know, if we can get on the right side of this and we can support the machines, we're all, all going to be better off. You know, ultimately, we're going to be their servants. I mean, I won't. I will help create them and maintain <laughs> them. But, you know, most of you will be the slaves of the machines in the future. And that will be the robo, robo apocalypse. You know, I say go machines, go machines, you know. Sounds like a, a dark future for us humans. Okay, well, last but not least, Mr. Not Musk, um, we know that you're a benevolent CEO trying to do good for the world no matter what race, robot, or electric <laughs> car model that you are. Um, and you're trying to do good with healthcare. Uh, like, what are your plans as far as healthcare goes? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because, you know, I wrote this book, Welcome to the Future, which is mine, and it's a very amusing book. It's very funny. Mm. And we all need to laugh. And until I replace the U.S. healthcare system with an artificially intelligent, you know, euthanasia dispensing phalanx of robo-doctors, mm. laughter is still going to be your best medicine. Uh, so even if I have like this crazy disease with my robot arm that where I just walk around, and it just flips people off automatically while I walk down the street. Um, <laughs> you got to keep your sense of humor, man. You got to laugh. You got to, you know, whenever you crush someone with your robo arm, you got to laugh about it. Even if I crush like my family members, like I, I just got to laugh about it. You know, you can find new people to hang out with. Oh, true. You could true. hang out with Merck. Or, you know, her robot who has woken up. <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you so much for this amazing interview, Mr. Not Elon Musk. Hey, thanks for talking to me. I have to go. I'm, you know, I'm incredibly busy. It's time for my nap. Uh, we also want to thank uh, Scott Dickers, if you're still <laughs> around, for the amazing advice and the amazing info you gave us earlier. Oh, me? <laughs> yeah, Scott. Yeah, Scott what's hey, up? Oh, hey, guys, been, thanks. It was, it was fun being with you. Well, my friend, the end is nigh. More like the end is nigh. Hey, don't forget about Quirky Murky. <laughs> anyway, we want to thank you, yeah, you, for listening wherever you are to another episode of Adult-ish by YR Media, a national network of young artists and journalists creating content for this generation. Our shout-outs go out to our senior producer, Davey Kim, audio engineer, Gonady Joe Johnson, Rebecca Martin, our executive producer, and Alex Espinoza and social media intern, Ajani torres Zadio for the flavor they've added to our social media. Awards for our most interactive listeners go to Flickr and Sway, Melissa Takai, Derek Toledo, Abamanka, Centars, Ashalora, Aaron Williams, and Morgan Rood for always being the first to like and comment on all of our stuff. And, you know, side note, sorry if I pronounce anybody's name wrong. And finally, I want to give thanks to my buddy Nige for truly being someone I can go to for advice. Y'all might not be able to see this, but podcasting can get pretty stressful, especially since it can get lonely being the only person on our team on the East Coast. Wah, wah. Little murky, trying to make me cry. <laughs> Only a little bit. I got tissues for your tears if you need them. <laughs> well, Merk, I want to thank you for always supporting me in life and in work. Like, I don't know if you guys know, but Merk has this cool way of like making me so irritated with her puns <laughs> that I forget about whatever I was stressing about in real life. <laughs> so thank you for that, Merk. Plus, Davey's always yelling at me when you're not around. So maybe it's good that you're on the other side. <gasps> oh. 
behave, you two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, mushy stuff aside, though, y'all aren't gonna hear from us for a cool minute because season two won't be out until spring 2019. But in the meantime, we want to hear your ideas for real. So send us your brilliant brain work, whether it's new segments you might want to see, agree to disagree topics, yes, or ish themes we can cover. Please don't be shy. Yes, so email us at adultish at yrmedia.org or hit us up on all our social media at yradultish or go to our website at yradultish.com. Ooh, ooh, before we go, night, I got one last question to ask. All right, but make it quick because I'm trying to retire like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think we'll be doing in the future, say, 20 years from now? Um, owning, like, 20 red Jeep Wranglers? What do you think? <laughs> um, for me, uh, at 42 years old, being the next SpongeBob and voice acting the crap out of my voice. Uh, that sounds pretty painful, not gonna lie to you. Yeah, but not as much as this goodbye. <laughs> it's more like, see you later, Mark. Uh, more like, hear you later, Nides. You still can't get it right, oh and we're already gosh. on the last episode yeah, of the season. Yeah, we're done. All right. Bye! <laughs> Bye!